let's talk about it. Hello and welcome back to Thick Radio, the podcast where we talk about gaining, feedism, and everything in their orbit. I'm James. And I'm Tim. So let's get into it. Today we're welcoming to the show for the first time. Today we've got Michael. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Hello, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good, thanks. Yeah. Awesome. How are you both? Doing good. Doing wonderfully. Oh, look, we're really excited to have you here because as the uh, the common username at Michael's Macro will detail, you are a macrophile, correct? I am. Yes, yes, that's right. Oh, marvellous. I've got to say, I feel like macrophilia and, uh, you know, microphilia as well. I've got to say, are probably two of those kinks that we get asked about the most where people are kind of curious, like, when is this going to be an episode? When are you guys talking about this? Sometimes it's all about timing and getting the right person for the right topic, but here we are. So listen, let's not dilly-dally, let's get into it. Are you ready to go? I am, yeah, yeah, that's exciting. And that's really cool people actually asking about it. Yeah. Well, listen, to kick things off, and just for anyone listening who may not know, can you give us a rundown, because we're also going to be talking about VOR a little bit today as well, can you give us a bit of a rundown, macro, micro, and VOR? What are they? How do they work? What's the deal? Sure. I mean, uh, macrophilia is uh, essentially a love of all things size difference, especially a contrast in height. Uh, so this can be real world size difference, like a tall guy interacting with a short guy, but mostly it's a fetish of fantastical size difference. Uh, so macro specifically is an appreciation of really big guys, giants. Uh, and microphilia is an appreciation of shrunken people uh, or tinies. Uh, macrophilia is also like a, a term that encapsulates both, uh, so both uh, macro and micro generally. Uh, vor or uh, vorophilia is a specific fetish all of its own, uh, whereby people eat other people alive, usually by swallowing them whole. Um, Full-size vor is the idea that a person could swallow another person whole without the need for any kind of size change, except a very accommodating, expanding mouth and gut, of course. Um, and there's a big crossover with, with all three, really. Mm. I mean, that's kind of why we wanted to group these together as topics to discuss, because it does feel like there is a very common through line with them. Um, so to kind of clarify here on that uh, kind of umbrella term with macro, I think it's the same thing with the term gaining, right? Like uh, I would say, regardless of whether you are a gainer, a feeder, an encourager, admirer, maintainer, whatever term, you are into gaining. And while there is no uh, specific collective term for the different denizens of our community, I would point to a collective of diverse individuals within the community and describe them as gainers right? Like as a collective gainer. Um, and so it seems with macro and micro, yes, you can identify your specifically into micro, microphilia. Yes, it's its own uh, specific variation. Uh, but the generalized umbrella term of macro would still uh, kind of cover, correct? That's definitely my interpretation. Yeah, yeah. I, I always get all coming together under the umbrella of uh, macrophilia. 
I mean, like I say, bore is its separate own thing that can exist outside of macrophilia, of course. But um, for me, they're very much together as one. Now, Tim, you have yes. several times mentioned that you yourself are also a macrophile. Curious, <laughs> throw you in the deep end here. Um, do you have any understandings or interpretations uh, that maybe differ from Michael's or maybe add to that? No, um, like I, I think that <clears throat> it comes down to, like he was saying, a size difference fetish or just size manipulation fetish, which might mm. be like the overall arching theme of the, of, of the whole uh, thing. Um, and yeah, Vor is its own separate thing. I've seen plenty of images, stories and other kinds of media that have come out where it's like two, two regular sized people, one gets swallowed whole. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of a size difference, but not the kind that I'm used to reading about in the kind of fiction that I like. You know, by the time Vor is happening in those stories, the person is already like 150 feet tall. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the same for me. Um, I mean, for me, it, it's macro that facilitates Vor, really. Um, it's the internal logic I use to make Vor possible within the fantasy. So if someone's a giant, they can easily consume someone who's regular sized. Or if someone shrinks, they're an easy target to be eaten by someone who's a normal height. I I love that use of the, that sort of lens analogy there, because I think this is an aspect of what we do as gainers and feeders that uh, a lot of people don't consider. Um, we've all got different lenses that we use to, to view what we do, how we do it, why we do it. And I do feel like when you look at some of the narratives that people talk about with one another, when people uh, maybe don't align with one another, and maybe there's some discomfort there and some disagreement. I think sometimes that disagreement can come down to something as simple as I view it through this particular lens, you view it through that particular lens. And we just presumed, because we're both into gaining, that it was going to be one of the same when in fact it's not. And sometimes I feel like when we don't honor that language, when we don't kind of understand the importance of the little flavors that our kinks and fetishes can bring to the gaming experience, uh, we do ourselves a disservice and that line of communication can get a little bit muddied. So first of all, just thank you for bringing that up because it's a good reminder. We all need to be conscious of the, the lenses through which we view ourselves and others and how we do what we do. Um, and, and I like learning about this, you know, I think, we often talk when we do these kinds of kink specific episodes about the references in pop culture, right? That kind of inspire these notions. And immediately my mind goes to the nutty professor, right? Where <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> happens in both movies, doesn't it? Where there's like a dream sequence where like in the dream, he wakes up somehow he's this ginormous human being and don't get me wrong. The movie's a comedy. He doesn't eat anyone. But there's certainly that visual element of a super obese man who is as tall as a building, you know, reaching in, uh, presumably to grab uh, Jada Pinkett Smith to eat her, but actually just grabs the, the leg off the rose chin. And, <laughs> um, there is definitely something very, um, almost very sexy about that. Like a man who has grown to such an insane size and yet is still uh, indulging in something that now to scale is practically uh, uh, 
something that would get stuck in the teeth more than yeah it's like a tic-tac <laughs> at that point yeah it's like pointless yeah <laughs> but still desperate to consume anything and, and everything that he can get his hands on um i know it's meant to be like again comedically horror themed but it's the doctor who screams gets like pressed up against the glass by his fat but when yeah. his fat breaks through <laughs> yeah. be, like, sucked into a fold somewhere you know not gonna lie to you pretty sure i burned a hole in the vhs at that point but uh <laughs> what our weakness is um so if i can ask what are some reference points that kind of clued you in to uh, macro and through to vor in the past well i mean it's interesting you use that example because it is an old example now um and i think that speaks to the fact that there isn't that much representation in uh, modern media um you've got the classics like honey i shrunk the kids uh there's the borrowers gulliver's travels that kind of thing um, as far as war goes, there are some examples, but I can't think of a modern example uh, where the giant isn't some hideous monster, um, which takes the fun out of it for me, to be honest. Um, I much prefer that a giant is a real guy, preferably a, a hot guy with a big appetite, a big belly. Um, you know, someone like David Harbour, Circus, or season three of Stranger Things kind of thing, but, you know, I, I haven't seen that yet. Um, one example that does come to mind is on the TV show The Boys uh, recently. Um, there was a scene where a guy, I think he can shrink himself, and we just see him sort of barely on, on screen. Um, he runs and jumps between a woman's open legs, for example. It's just very funny, blinkiny miss it kind of thing. It's just like, oh my god, I think I saw Macrophilia on screen. Like, well, that uh, character please. comes back later. Have you seen the most? Yes, recent I was gonna... yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I believe I told James about this. I think I told you about this scene, James. You did, where he like shrinks himself down and crawls inside of a man's penis to pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and I never in a million years thought I would see that on uh, a mainstream television show. That was Me neither. Fucking amazing. Mm. It doesn't end well. It's uh, it's certainly not where the fantasy would, would go if I had my way. Um, spoiler <laughs> alert! But um, uh, up to that point, it's it's amazing. Like, oh my god, if I had that kind of budget to make my own macro. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my my macro journey, whatever it uh, it wasn't really inspired. I didn't think at least by TV or film. Um, it was all all imagination, you know, and that's I think why I draw and right now because I did that as a kid um so just inspired by these ideas these stories I had and I wrote this down I drew them my uh my introduction to it was this really crappy uh movie from the 70s called Village of the Giants uh I probably re-ran on some like late night uh the horror host thing and um it's about a group of teenagers that uh kind of like come into a mountain town they're like all from out of town and they're just a bunch of like wild teenagers and there's this kid who lives in the town who's who's who they call genius and he's like invented some kind of goo that can make things grow and so they steal it thinking that they're going to I don't know, make money off of it somehow but then they all decide to eat it and so they all grow to be like I think 50 feet tall and because the movie showed scenes of people actually like bursting out of their clothes and and like uh growing to that height um I saw it when I was young and obviously I didn't know that it was going to have that kind of effect on me but it always stuck in my mind so 
Oh, and then there was one episode of Garfield and Friends called Nighty Nightmare, where Garfield has this dream that he keeps binge eating so much that uh, he just keeps growing and growing and growing until he outgrows the house that he's in and he's stomping around and screaming for more food. And like, that was my, uh, the other, I think, big inspiration. Alice in Wonderland. The entire movie, the bitch is shrinking and getting big, shrinking and getting big. I mean, and then, and then Ant-Man. That's his whole, like, hero. Uh, Ant-Man, how do I forget Ant-Man? Yeah. But it's interesting, right? Like, I, I don't know. It's like, because I'm not personally into to macro, so my mind doesn't necessarily go to certain references. And then yet, the moment we have this conversation referencing, like, these sorts of tropes, I'm remembering, like, oh, yeah, like, very quintessentially, most kids have seen Alice in Wonderland because it's a Disney classic. Most people have seen Ant-Man because everyone's obsessed with Marvel. So it's really interesting that... I think even compared to like gaining and feedism itself, like we still see fat being presented in such set ways in culture, but within some of the biggest franchises that we have available to us, macro micro is still slipping through and being an active part of like cinematic history, which is really, really interesting. No, that's true. I think they're just presented in a way that is so, I don't know, it, it's, it's so far removed from the fantasy for me because it, it has all these extra fantastical layers on top of it. We're talking about superheroes, for example, that kind of, I don't know, dilutes it for me a little bit, but it's still very fun to see. Uh, I love to think that there's some macrophile working behind the scenes on Ant-Man or The Boys or something, just having a very good time. There definitely was in Teen Titans Go because there is an episode called, I think it's called Smile Bones. I, I might've mentioned this episode before. But um, everyone starts binge eating, I guess, because they feel like uh, eating healthy just isn't any any fun anymore. And they they all end up with like big distended bellies and everything. But Beast Boy and Cyborg take it further and they just keep going and they keep eating to the point where like their bellies become sentient and take over and they grow to oh gigantic size and like they're attacking whatever town they're supposed to be protecting or whatever. It was I was like a fetishist wrote this script. <laughs> There's no other explanation for that. We, we talked about this way back on season one, uh, obesity cartoons of the 90s. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not a fan of the Dan Schneider at Nickelodeon telling children to uh, send him pictures of their feet to win tours of Nickelodeon studios. I'm pretty sure that was why he eventually got told. Less than ideal. But... The idea of like fetishists working behind the scenes and being like, there are probably like young people out here watching this stuff who don't know themselves and we're going to imprint little seeds that are going to awaken it. Like I'm of the opinion, and I think I may have said something similar to this at the time. It's like the concept of the inhumans in Marvel, right? My belief is the same with fetish. It's like we are born with this fascination inside of us, innate, just like sexuality. And it comes to fruition when exposed to the right circumstances. So within humans, it's that pterogen miss bullshit. With us, it's seeing the examples presented in front of us. And so when we are children and we see every cartoon of the 90s where it had one episode at least where the characters inexplicably got fat, or in the case of Macro, got huge, or in the case of War, got eaten, but are somehow still alive and functioning just happily, figuring, golly gee, how to get out of this situation. <laughs> and then we watch it and go, hmm, why am I so fascinated by this? I must study this intently. 
clicks. So is this I, going to be my personality for the next 15 years? Yeah. This in no way, shape or form will come to shape my lived reality uh, <laughs> for the next <laughs> chapter of my life. Um, and I don't know, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that because it's not something explicit. It's not something done to create a sexual charge specifically. But I do think that its inclusion opens up the potential realm of constructs to people who probably need to see those things, right? So mm. I don't know. I don't necessarily see the negative downside of that. I think if it helps you to understand a core aspect of who you are, I think that's great. There are far too many people wondering about who are like, sex is evil and everyone is horrible because monogamy is the only way forward and Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Oh, please. If you scratch the surface on any one of those, they've probably got a whole like closet full of kinks that they're just not willing to accept. It's the whole daredevil, um, I, I am the knight, I am Batman wannabe, but also I want a woman to step on my balls and choke slam me, you know? <laughs> Very Matt Murdock getting fucked to death by She-Hulk. Very that. I like this conversation. I like learning about these uh, contracts because I'm not the most familiar with them. Uh, to to kind of put it like this, right, as an external source here, the way I'm sort of seeing it is that that size disparity or like the act of consumption with vor, it almost feels a bit like there's a reflection of masculinity and femininity, right? Like your typical dom sub dynamic. The biggin is the dom or the, the predator is the dom to be consumed, to be crushed, to be uh, like, um, is, is there terminology for like a, a random normal sized bystander in the streets being like, ah, oh, don't eat me, don't squish me. Like, is there, any, is there a term for that person? Uh, there, there must be, but I, I, I don't know of any. Um, I, yeah, it's just uh, giants, tinies, or prez, prey. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's all, it's all game, really. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, it, it's certainly, um, it's certainly about power. I mean, if we're talking about somebody who grows, we're talking about a guy who's becoming gradually more physically powerful, um, and as they grow, normal societal rules apply less and less as their perspective shifts they stop seeing other people as people maybe they're sort of more curiosities and in the fantasy they become snacks basically um so i see it as a guy who gradually gives in to their primal urges buoyed by the fact that they have so much power and in a one-on-one -on -one situation they're basically unstoppable they're sort of godlike um I see it as like an exaggeration of who that person was before they became huge. So if they were already masculine, however you might see that, um, then those features become amplified. So uh, that could be a negative stereotype, like domination, subjugation of others, violence and aggression, um, destruction, or a more casual but blatant disregard for the well-being of others. Um, and that, for me, leads to some place exploration of how they then interact with the world around them. And then conversely, if someone's shrinking, we're talking about a kind of uh, diminishing of who that person is or was. They're, they're at the mercy of those who were equals not so long ago, and they're seen as less, they're sort of less substantial, less important, they're maybe worth less as an individual, perhaps worth less as a man. And it's just a reversal of the growing scenario. Um, so that tiny man becomes little more than a curiosity, a plaything, and then a snack. That's the day. That's sort of 
how it ends up. And that, I mean, this is, it's my, that's my fantasy, that's my interpretation. There are so many other interpretations. Um, and more positive attributes as well could be amplified as well, like confidence, protection of others, and a more nurturing giant, lots of hugs and rom-coms and things. But yeah, I, I like it a bit more mean and nasty. What about you, Tim? Like, I mean, do, do you align with those kinds of interpretations? Do you see it a little bit differently with how that kind of plays out? No, I, I, I agree with him. And like, I, you see a lot of what he was talking about. And so I have a, a an author that I love to go back to time and time again, Z Mario Tex. He uh, wrote several um, series of stories that involved uh, macro, but also involved extreme weight gain during the macro. Like his giants were not only getting bigger, they were getting fatter. And like a lot of description about that. Um, <clears throat> and his stories always involved um vor of some kind because again the, like his characters as they became giants would inevitably like become more arrogant become more primal become more bestial um and also like in his stories the giants would not only just eat human beings apparently like he he would write it into his stories that somehow like the, the giant could eat literally anything so you could see like the giant devouring the entire building and not just the people that are within it, you know, and with everything that the giant eats, he just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, where was I going with that's this? A, <laughs> that, that's the best thing for me. Yeah. A, yeah. A, a, a giant converts everything around them into themselves, basically. They, they grow taller, but their belly grows as well. Mm. Um, and the idea that people or things are being consumed and then transformed into a belly is just oh, amazing there's, there's a couple of other examples that come to mind for me and to, to quickly touch on here i know you described before about like with macro and micro that kind of emotional and sexual charge i think with vor it's, it is quite clear you know there's predator and prey there is the consumer and the consumed you know and that i think that's very very clear um my mind goes to dragon ball z you know, you've got a lot of characters like Cell and uh, Boo, who are these um, villainous characters. Cell uh, was sort of like a, a lizard-like alien creature that was created uh, that had a tail that could basically suck up people or living creatures and absorb their energy into itself. And it would cause it to constantly shift and evolve and cocoon and evolve into something greater and greater and more powerful. And then with Boo, which was this terrifyingly fat pink thing overpowered, and they always got more powerful, right? But one of his skills was to basically point and with a little ray, and then people would turn into candy. And then he would eat them as candy, which was really, really fascinating. Um, and there was even a scene where, because um, again, of course, these characters, you beat them once and they have to come back seven or eight different times. It always ended up with Goku and the Kamehameha, all that kind of thing. But when Boo is, uh, something happens and Boo is separated into two parts, like a good self and a bad self. And the good self is like all fat and funny, still as powerful, but good. The bad self is thin and looks terrifying to look at. Mm. Thin Boo uses the, the power on the good Boo and consumes him. So now he's like the whole thing and in charge. And there was a bad guy who was like watching him. And there's a scene where he like does the thing of like, liquefying himself and goes into the guy's mouth and you see him expanding 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 until he explodes so like there is a lot of like uh food and consumption and all of that kind of stuff that takes place um 
And I just remembered another example, Monsters vs. Aliens. Uh, I think Reese Witherspoon voiced this character. She gets hit with something and then she turns into a giantess. Um, and I don't think she ends up eating anyone. She gets put on this team with, like, a giant moth, a blob-like creature, and something else. Um, but it's just really fascinating seeing how all these things play out. And I feel like I never see a woman becoming a giant. It's usually a man who becomes a giant. I wonder if that also plays into, like that kind of gendered expectation within macrophilia like a man should be big and powerful but then maybe that's the heterosexual side of things maybe it's inverted on the heterosexual side of things anyone straight out there listening who can comment on this please write into us at thethickradio at gmail.com and let us know i think maybe in mainstream media it's it's men that become giants but in in the realm of porn it's always um giantess that's like a much bigger and more popular thing that because I'm telling you, finding images and and other uh, media related to um, gay, you know, men or just male macrophilia, it's hard to find, and fat macrophilia is even harder to find. That, that's why I, I, yeah, partly why I do what I do. Um, I love to draw and write about these big guys who become even bigger. So I'm curious to ask here, like, do you identify uh, as a gainer yourself or an admirer? How do you identify within the gaining space? I, I guess, yeah, as an admirer, um, I am certainly a lot bigger now than I ever have been. Um, and I have sort of started to embrace that a bit more. Um, I mean, love to hear that. <laughs> Everyone should be embracing that belly. I mean... To that point, I mean, it sounds like that sort of growth you're experiencing is not intentional, but do you feel like your appreciation of macro and vor, do you feel like those have maybe influenced how you feel about your body and maybe influenced that kind of, maybe that internalized piece you feel when it comes to that unexpected growth? Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps I, um, I value um, a, a bigger size. Um, but I, th- I think that's probably quite typical of a guy, right? We, we, we all want to be bigger, whether it be via muscle or fat or both. Um, we, we're sort of, it's drilled into us to be bigger and stronger and more powerful and all of that. Um, but I certainly feel much more confident now. And I feel much more confident having a belly as well. Like it doesn't bother me. I'll happily, you know, walk around without many clothes on in an appropriate place you know i'm on the beach it's not i'm not going to worry about it um which is something i think even five years ago i would have uh, perhaps struggled with um i don't know that relates heavily to to macro specifically um but i, I think, think that's just you i think it relates to the listeners I, and i think it relates to ultimately a lot of what we try to convey on the pod which is you know sometimes we look at certain constructs like the concept of macrophilia And sometimes people can look at that and think, oh gosh, isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy and insane to do and to to fantasize about? When in actual fact, not only is it normal, it maybe in fact is something that helps lead you to a place of more body acceptance to maybe journeys that you end up going on. You know, for some people listening, perhaps their love of macro and micro and vor becomes the thing that inspires them to start gaining. And maybe because of that gaining journey, they feel more at peace with themselves. You know, it's a little bit of all roads lead to Rome, but I think it's more a case of all the paths within yourself lead to this true reflection of yourself. 
And I think if we can understand that you engaging with this aspect of your sexuality helps you to feel more at peace with your body, especially as you grow and age and change, I think that's wonderful. And I think that's something that everyone can learn from. I mean, Tim, for you, because you are so very, very old, has <laughs> your appreciation of macro and micro helped you to accept things as you age, as much as you have aged? You <laughs> ageful old person? Uh, I'm not no, far behind you, Tim. Huh? I'm not far behind you. Oh. Um, no, it's just, I mean, I don't think that any of the uh, macro media that I've consumed over the years has helped me feel any better about getting older, but then I don't have any hangups about getting older, so... But I'm more meant to infer, as you've aged, has your appreciation of macro helped shift your appreciation of your body as you... Oh, uh, no, because I, I I don't know. For some reason, this, this, this particular fetish is kind of partitioned off in my brain from everything else. You know, like, it kind of exists in its own little separate corner of my mind. So I don't, I don't really integrate it much within, in, into, you know, the, how I live the rest of my life. Yeah, in terms of their relationship to one another, I mean, macro for and an appreciation for bellies, they can be quite disparate. Um, like I said, for me, they are kind of part of the same fantasy. Um, being consumed, becoming part of the belly, um, that, that's that's a good shit for me. But but equally, they can be very disparate. They can be very separate. See, I don't have a I don't have a fantasy about being bored by a giant in any way because, like, for me, I guess I'm I I'm often fascinated by people who are because it's like, why is death part of the fantasy? Because in the end, you die whether you're consumed or crushed. It equals death, and I guess I've just never. I mean, that's just not a part of it for me. But I'm always fascinated to talk to people who to do like that part because I'm like, why is death? Okay, like why is that part of it <clears throat> i did see an interview once with a woman who specialized in death porn which essentially was her getting killed on camera in different pawns like a guy breaks into the house and you know ties her up and puts the gun to her head and blows her brains out and then he fucks her dead body and that's obviously a very intense scenario not one that i share but she was being interviewed about this and it was quite fascinating because she said when you get killed on camera, it's not real and you know it's not real. And then I get to play dead and get fucked. And it's sort of like, she said she found it, like there was a resolution almost to being like, oh, well, if this is what it's like to die, maybe being dead isn't so bad. And it's not to say that it made her think, I now want to kill myself, but it made her kind of go, you know, most everyone is going to have fears around death that they're not cautious of or they're not uh, conscious of i should say and that perhaps engaging in aspects where you know death can be pleasured or death can at least be accepted as a part of a process helps you to process that death is normal and we don't need to be so fearful of it and i think we've said a few times on the pod tim you know when we look at a lot of the issues we see happening in the world a lot of that sexual negativity that goes on Weirdly, a lot of it comes down to this notion of uh, people being afraid of death and people being afraid of this finality. And maybe, maybe we need a little bit more of that. Maybe we need a little bit more of death acceptance to help move things along a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is, it is quite a dark fantasy if you haven't worked it out by now. You know, it, it, or at least my interpretation of it is, um, which is partly why I try to incorporate a bit of humor and lightheartedness into it, because for me, it. It can be dark, um, but it's not necessarily 
grim, if that makes sense. I, I don't tend to focus on on those real dark elements of it too much. Uh, like for me, I, I, I don't have to be eaten, no one has to be eaten, but the intention of it is, is what gets me going, I, I think. The fact that it, that it could happen in that scenario. So if, if I was to be shrunk and I was with a guy who at any moment could eat me and maybe he is playing with me a bit, joking about it a little bit, um, oh, that would be amazing. I wouldn't want it to actually happen. Um, but the fact that it could happen would just be exquisite. Hmm. Almost a little bit like vill like a villain monologuing. You know, you almost <laughs> you want to have that kind of a little bit like, oh, now that you're in my clutches, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to you. Um, don't worry, I don't bite hard. When you know that's a normal sexual inference, but in the case of Vor, it becomes, oh, I'm actually going to get eaten. So, <laughs> bit of yeah. a bit of a different story. The, and actually, thinking of Vor, there was something I thought of. There's an anime called Fairy Tale. Uh, wherein most characters you meet have like a different type of magic that they use, right? And there's one, and it's sort of like a Birdman situation. His whole power set is basically to eat people, Vor style. Um, and while they're inside of him, he can use their powers. He can access them. So there's quite a sexy thing where one of the main characters, um, Natsu, he has this like dragon fire. There's always fire and it's always dragon fire. Um, he's about to use his attack, but then he gets gobbled up. And you see him, like, they, they do the sort of uh, the, the comedic style where he's, like, in the tummy. But when people are in the stomach, they're also being leached of their power. So you just see him sort of looking all fat and worthless because, you know, in the thing of it, he is being digested. He's not actually digested, it's fine. But you sort of see him being depicted as being a little bit more pancakey in the belly over time. Like, I can't do anything to get out of this. And, you know, the Birdman is using the power and being very, very strong. And... So there's like an, an element to that as well. You know, I think, um, again, even though it's not my thing, I can see it and know what's going on and think, you know what, maybe I could jerk off to this. Maybe maybe there's a little something here that I can lean into and appreciate, you know? Do you experience that with other kinks and fetishes? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, I think so. I think anything I come across, I can absolutely see what might be sexy within it. Um, I mean... If you if you look up macro and vor, you'll probably come across some furry stuff, and it doesn't really do anything for me. But I can certainly see, okay, yeah, that that that's quite sexy. That that can be really sexy with or without the macro vor element to it. But it yeah, it doesn't do anything for me personally. So I gave the example of how uh, I can find things sexy, even if they're not necessarily my kink or fetish, because I can kind of relate it to things that I do find. Gotcha, sexy. gotcha. Do you find that with any particular kinks or fetishes? Uh, I mean, not that I can think of off the top of my head, but like Michael was saying, I can I can watch something that, you know, a, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is really hot. And I can see the appeal in it, even if I don't necessarily end up jacking off to it. Um, and I feel like, you know, your kinks and your fetishes and your you know, sexual appetites evolve over time. And some things that may not have seemed sexy to you before seem sexy now. Um, I, it's just the constant evolution of, of human sexuality. I think it is it's a it's going to be a smorgasbord at some point. Like you're a little bit into everything. You've got your mainstays, but you're willing to sample a lot of other stuff. Mm. 
I'm curious to ask, and I'll, I'll ask this of both of you, you know, because we've expressed here that the majority of these fantasies are exactly that. They are fantasy. They are only ever really depicted in fiction, in artwork, and occasionally in cinema, because it is impossible to find someone who will, by nature, become so egregiously tall or become egregiously shrunk or be consumed in such a way. Um, do you think that the fact that these can only exist in fantasy is part of what makes them so appealing? I think so. I think there's a certain safety within the world of the fantasy, um, and that's definitely appealing. Um, I would love for at least some of the aspects of Maxwell to be possible, sometimes, not all the time. Um, like I say, I mean, I fantasize about being shrunk down, about eating alive. I don't want that to actually happen, but like I said, the potential for it to happen would be in, enticing. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's safety in the exploration of that within within the context of, of fantasy. I mean, that's partly why I draw and write sort of real life scenarios and then just add a macrophilia um, aspect to it. Um, I think the fetish is obviously inherently fantastical already um, and it's totally implausible. So I try to, I don't know, draw or write the world through a, a macro lens. And sorry for the pun. Um, but I write loosely about my point of view about real people or some facsimile of real people. Um, and I write about myself to a certain extent. Um, I don't add too many layers of fantasy on top of that. Um, like I shy away, shy away from, I don't know, uh, goblins and elves and fantasy worlds. Um, whereas other people really delve into that. They develop these amazing world-building fantasies, which is really impressive, but I'd rather a macro story set in a, a cafe or in the workplace. And I can imagine these real people just living their lives while facing the challenges inherent to macro. Like, oh shit, my really hot boss with a big belly wants to eat me. Oh no, but, you know, it, it's that sort of it's that sort of thing for me. I don't think it's necessarily uh, that they can't be done in, in real life that makes them appealing. I mean, I... As 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 wonderful as it would be for some of us to be able to live out our our deepest fantasies, like they're just not physically possible. But I don't think that that makes it alluring. It's just I I happen to be into it, mm. and I don't you know, it's not that it, it's not that science is ever going to create a way for it to happen. Like it is physically impossible. You could not be that large and and like breathe like gravity would crush you. Like it's impossible. So. Um, I would have that this interest whether or not it was in the realm of fantasy. Mm. I'm curious because you, uh, Michael, you described us a little bit about like the types of scenarios you like to to write about. Because as you mentioned, you are an author and you are a bit of an artist when it comes to this stuff. Like, what inspires those types of creations for you? Like, do you have a particular process to try to come up with these types of narratives, or is it more a case of as they come to mind, you go? need to write that down uh more more the latter um i would say I, I i base most of my work on on real people so so if i see somebody online who is posting posting themselves posting, posting a picture of, of themselves with their belly that maybe they're eating something um i i can't help but not see a, a macro ball scenario within that so it, it just gets my mind worrying and then I, I might draw something based on 
on that if, if that person is willing for me to do that. Um, so, so that's where it's been inspiration. It's just from people posting their bellies and uh, like, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I do approach people to see if maybe they would be willing to be portrayed as a giant and, and increasingly people come to me to to ask me the same, you know, could you draw me as a giant? And then the sort of scenario comes together um, with us both talking about what our preferences are, where the story wants to go. I mean, we do have a listener question, by the way, which I think kind of ties in here. Uh, the question is, where can people go for uh, custom content for macro, micro and vor? As you've said, people can come to you and we'll get the socials at the end there so people know exactly how to reach out. But are there specific websites or uh, video platforms or anything in particular that you would recommend for anyone who's curious to find a little bit more ad hoc content that they can appreciate? Yeah, I, I would probably go to uh, coldfist.org. Um, there's some really amazing artwork there, drawings, photo montages, manipulations, uh, videos, people saying their words, and that, that will include customs. Um, you can find pretty much everything, everything there. And you can just post on the forum and say, this is what I'm looking for, who's out there, and you'll probably get some responses. Yeah, I mean, I, also, I'm I'm always uh, retweeting the stuff that I think is great um, on my uh, Twitter feed or X feed or whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, I was going to say there is uh, also clips for sale, and there is uh, a specific um, studio uh, called Battle Beauties where they do a lot of uh, macro content, and it's uh, it's it's like both genders as well, so like giantess and giant. Um, not exactly the best acting in the world and but at least they try to use special effects like they employ a green screen like they will actually you know it's not just like a, a model town that someone's stomping through like they they at least try to make it look you know more realistic and i have to credit them for it because i have several of those videos it's not none of the actors are fat unfortunately but as far as like just straight up uh male macro content they are pretty good there we go. Yeah, there is not a huge amount of uh, fat macro content out there at all. Um, I mean, one of my favourite stores is uh, Giant and Tiny Feet, and it's really good con content. It's really simple. It's mostly POV videos with some some special effects going on, and it's really good when 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 there are special effects. But all of the guys featured are slim and or muscular uh, which is a shame but they are otherwise uh, very good but increasingly um, there, there is more fat macro stuff out there and certain big bellied content creators might just surprise you if you ask them very nicely to make macro raw content you know if they are already content creators um, they, they might say yes uh, just please please be respectful and don't be hurt if you get a no or maybe no response it's not it's not a fantasy that uh, everyone is into. Hmm. There's probably a, a conversation on a more general episode on art and uh, content creation, maybe about, you know, uh, some, how, how do I want to phrase this? Just some rules of engagement, perhaps um, some societal politeness that could go into not being a cunt when it comes to either rejecting or being rejected. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that conversation for them. Um, 
just to ask quickly here as we begin to approach the end of the episode, are there any aspects around macro, micro or raw that we haven't really touched on yet today that you think are worth bringing up into the conversation? Uh, well, it is, it, is, it is multifaceted. I mean, um, yeah, we've talked about raw and, and bellies, but um, you know, macrophilia opens you up to, to all sorts of kinds of interactions. Um, you know, we can talk about tinies who shrink down and they can play with a guy's feet. They can, um, you have giants walking through town, crushing buildings with their feet. So, so, so feet is certainly a big part. And, and I think, yeah, I, I think there probably are parallels to, to gaming in the sense that, so one of the parallels is that the fantasy, obviously it can be overtly sexual. Um, but it's also a fantasy that can be entirely separate from sex. Um, so most of the fantasies I, I present contain no explicit sexual acts, um, but in the fantasy, the act of war, for example, could be equivalent to sex. Um, and it can be incredibly intimate and sensual in a way that maybe seeding can be too. Um, and, and of course, one person is essentially feeding another person. Um, just in a very different way and generally with a lot more screening. Um, but there can be more explicit sex within the fantasy. I mean, there's this idea of transformation where a, a tiny person maybe has a lot of different uses and they could even be used as a sex toy, for example, which is fun, fun to explore. That could be very dehumanizing or it could be a very rich way to connect to people like there can be a lot of love between the giant and the tiny i like that something that uh it comes to mind i think is really worth pointing out here because this is probably the episode to talk on it vor is not cannibalism right and i think unfortunately with what happened with army hammer um that's a conversation that needs to happen a little bit more i obviously haven't seen the transcripts of whatever's transpired between people um but i don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that army probably has a vor fetish and not an actual cannibal fetish um as we expressed today you know vor can be being consumed whole and kept alive in the stomach vor can also be more visceral and destructive and deadening comparatively <laughs> but it is still vor because it is still fantasy and it is still within these realms um and in fact tim you and i we went on a live stream recently talking about how uh when people outside of certain spaces don't have an understanding of what kinks and fetishes can be sometimes people can claim things to be something that they're not yeah and i think that's extremely dangerous you yes know, for anyone out there who's into death beatism anyone who's role played that even for a split second it's like being suggested that you are a sociopathic murderer or trying to commit suicide just because you jerked off to death feedism. You know, it's like, it's, it's not, it's not respectful to the kink or the sexuality or the fetish. And it just drives a further wedge between people who have understanding and who don't, which ultimately comes back to the reason why we have this show in the first place and why we do episodes like this. So please let's remember law is not cannibalism, not the same. Yeah, none of the, none of this is real. It, it's all make believe. It's all fantasy. Even us on the 
No, we're not real. We're all figments of your imagination. <laughs> Absolutely. So as we come now to the end of our episode today, and thank you so much for your time, I want to ask here, as someone who is so actively engaged in both the creation of macro and vol content, someone who is engaged in these communities, appreciates them greatly, what do you see for the future of these spaces? Do you think things are going to move to become more public? Do you maybe want to see people creating more content or engaging with it more? Give us a sort of five to 10 year, like what do you want to see happen in these spaces? Well, I mean, I, I've been a lurker for most of my macro journey or whatever, if I can call it that. Um, it's only the last few years that I've put work out there. Um, but the response has been amazing. People have been lovely. They've really connected to it. Um, uh, and in that time that I've been more active online, I've seen more and more people putting themselves and their art out there. So I, I really hope I really hope that continues. Um, like we talked about, there's some really successful macro video producers out there and creators more generally are catering to the macrophilia market when they may have no specific macro uh, connection themselves. Um, and people I approach seem really open to featuring as a giant in in some way, in, in some art. And uh, I, I, I hope that continues as well. I, I hope we see maybe a continued development in the realm of body diversity uh, in, in terms of uh, macro art, especially in terms of videos. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to see it more in the mainstream. I don't think that would be a, a bad thing, but equally, I don't know that it needs to be in the mainstream. Um, certainly a, a broader understanding of it would be helpful. Um, I mean, thank you for raising that point about cannibalism. It, 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 it isn't that, you know, there is no real world equivalent to this, at least for me. And I think that's true for most people uh, within this fetish. I, I, I would love to produce a wide range of art personally. I'd like to see a wider range of art, maybe, I don't know, maybe some video content, maybe some animations. Um, I'd love to write a book. I'd love to put it out in in different ways. I'd love to present it in in person to to real people, and and maybe be a bit less worried about showing my face while I'm doing all of this at the same time. That's understandable, and I I love hearing that. Tim, what about for you? What what changes do you want to see in the space, and what changes do you think will come to the space? Well, I know that when we finally create Thick Limited or whatever we decide to call it and we go into video production, I definitely want that to be one of the categories that we create content for. Um, but yeah, I just want to see more stuff because um, it's kind of uh, slim pickings as it is. And to find um, fat macro is, is, like I said, even harder. So I just want more content, you know, whether that be in written or uh pieces of artwork comics whatever it is that they come up with or even some video um the, the video thing it's kind of hard for me because if it's just an a pov upshot that's not usually enough for me like i kind of need a little bit more than that so that's why i was very fond of the battle beauties um clips for sale because they actually employed some special effects like that just kind of makes it all much more uh intense is when you can actually like witness the growth progression happening you know 
if it's just someone with a camera pointed upwards, eh, doesn't really do it for me. I just want more, just more stuff because there's not enough as it is. Yeah, we, we need like a proper TV budget for this stuff. Yeah. Well, but Battle Beauty, thank you. I've um I've written that down. I don't think I I don't think I'll come across their work. So thank you. Well, there you go. You're welcome. And if anyone out there is listening and happens to be a millionaire and wants to get rid of their money, uh, as you should do as good anti-capitalists, uh, feel free to give it to me personally. Or, or me. That's fine. Or Michael. Or all of us. Um, write into us at thethickradio at gmail.com for all of our bank details that you are going to require. And of course, with that money, we will start film studios where we could actually create some genuine swine Fat boy feckin' content, goddammit. That's that's the goal, really. So listen, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And Michael, thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find you online? So I am uh, Michael's Macro everywhere, pretty much. Um, chances are, if you search for me, I will be there. I'm, I'm not yet on Blue Sky, but all the traditional social media for my sins, I am present and correct. Oh, love to hear that but that's it for another week here on thick radio please remember to like and subscribe rate us five stars and leave us a good review now if you like this episode the podcast or just us in general share it with your friends and encourage them to tune in you can find me on instagram beefy frag stuff and show and oh my nom at stanham and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Beefy Frat at Thicky Mouse. You can also look us up on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Thick Radio or at our website at www.podpage.com forward slash Thick Radio. If you want to submit a voice note or become a supporter of the show, you can find the links in the show notes. And if you have any questions or ideas for episodes, you can reach us at thethickradio at gmail.com. So until next time, bye fats. Bye, fats. Let's talk about it. Dick Radio is a Patreon and Enter app podcast produced by Stan and Dickie Mouse. Next and Master by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Loki 2. Our theme song is provided by Bonnie by Cream.